we're going to go ahead and jump in where we were last week. I mean, I'm going to do some quick review, but we've been talking about the authority of the believer. And uh, uh, last week, you might recall, well, let me pray before I keep on talking here. (laughs) Let's lift up the service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We ask you, Father, to open the eyes of our understanding so that we can see as you see. We ask you to reveal your word to us tonight. We thank you in advance for all that you're about to do in this service, in us and through us, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. We looked last week at Genesis chapter 1, and we read in the beginning where God created. And many of you remember, we saw verse after verse after verse of what? God said, then it became, and God saw that it was good. And we see this over and over, this pattern repeated. How did God create? He created with his words. And so his words have creative power. He's releasing his faith through his words. And we see this pattern continued all throughout all creation. So we saw that everything God had made on the earth, he had made And it was so. In other words, it was what it was. Okay, God doesn't change. That means everything that we see is exactly like it was. Nothing has changed on this planet. I want to point out something that I saw when it comes to faith. This is a side note. And I I saw this today, and I I guess I've seen it, but it never just kind of popped out at me. And that was this. You know, last week, again, we pointed out, God said it became right? And God saw that it was good. Now, the application of faith here, God is looking at something that is the opposite of what he desired, right? God is looking at darkness, at chaos, and he says what? He says, let there be light. So he looked in the face of something that was opposite what he wanted, right? He looked at darkness, and he didn't say darkness, He said what? Let there be light, and there was light, right? So he said it, it became, and then it says, God saw that it was good. Now I want you to see something when it comes to faith. Jesus tells us later how to operate in the God kind of faith in Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he tells us what? That if we'll say to this mountain, and he just picked a mountain, this giant mountain in the background, and he said, if we'll say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now, what are we saying in that? We're saying what we desire is what he's saying. If our desire is to see the mountain moved and cast into the sea, what did he say to say? To say, wow, you're a big mountain. What did he say to say? Say what you desire. What he's telling us is the principle of faith is just like God created everything. That you say to it, even though I'm not seeing it yet. So I want you to see that what does God do? God saw darkness and He said, let there be light. And light became. And then God saw it and said it was good. God didn't see it until what? After he had spoken it, in which it became. Now, God, I need you to understand, is really good at faith. What I mean is, he is, he's mastered it. He is, I, I don't know how to say this, but he's very good at using it. 
okay? He's not a newbie. (laughs) He's not someone who's just learning these things and working it out, okay? That's why everything with God seems instant. Instant. But with us, what do we see sometimes? An element of time passes. Are you following me? Now, what we think is instant could have appeared over a period of time. Like God said, let there be light, and then there was light. And it just, it just do, does its thing. So there, I guess there is some element of time here. But what I'm saying is, is that Jesus said, remember the tree? That's where he gave the example in Mark 11, 23, 24. Remember earlier in the day? Or it, might have been, it was the day before, actually. Remember, he's going with his disciples, and they're hungry in the morning. And, they, and, and Jesus sees the tree at a distance and says, man, let's get us some figs. There's leaves on there. That means there should be figs. And he gets over there, and he's deceived. <laughs> There's something wrong with this tree. It shouldn't be showing leaves and not having figs. So what does he do? He curses the tree, right? And, you know, he says, let no man eat from you hereafter. The very next day, the tree is dried up from the roots. Now, did something instantly happen when Jesus spoke those words? Yes, something instantly happened. Instantly, that thing began drying. You just couldn't see the results yet. But I want you to get the principle. He spoke. It became. Then he saw. See, the principle of faith is the same for all of us. I want you to see that. You might not see what you want in life, but if you'll speak to it, it will become, then you will see. But put the seeing at the end. Are you getting what I'm saying? We're to believe we receive before we see it. Right? So when you speak words, act like God. You say, act like God? He's God. Well, I'm His Son. And I'm made in His image. And He gave me the same ability to choose my words. I'm a spirit being. I'm a faith being just like God. And so what I do is when I say it, I expect results. When God says it, he didn't think, let there be light. I sure hope it works this time, Jesus. Holy Ghost. No, what did he expect when he said it? He expected. He released faith. He expected things to change immediately. I mean, just boom. Well, when you speak in the Spirit, when you're talking to something physical, there's still spiritual roots in that thing that are changing immediately. But it might take you a day or two to see it. You get what I'm saying? So if I speak to sickness and disease in someone's body, I fully expect results. When I speak those words, things are going into action. Even though I might not see it yet, it is happening. And so I just want you to remember that principle of speaking it, it happens, I see it. You get it? But put the seeing at the end. Very elementary, but God, that's the way it worked for God. And that's the way it works in our life. Amen? So talk to the things you want to see changed. Amen? That's how you release your faith, and then you expect change. Some of you are looking at me like, huh, where did all this come from? Appetizer. Appetizer. All right. So we saw again last week that God throughout Genesis again created everything, and everything He created was exactly like it is now. And what I mean is, is that the same animals He created then are on the earth now, okay? The seas are the seas, correct? Right? 
I'm not confused between the seas, you know, the heavens. Are you? Nope, seas are down, heavens are up, right? It rain comes down, right? Doesn't go up, it goes down. I mean, what I'm saying is the way the earth created, he created, and what he created is still here. Nothing has been added to and nothing has been taken away because it's thus saith the Lord. It is God, he created it. And we learned two things last week. One is God will never violate his word. And number two, he never changes. In other words, he never reverses his decision and takes it back. So once his word leaves his lips, it's done. Remember Psalm 89, 34. My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Now with all that being said, we looked at, we said all that to say this. That God's method of operation when it came to the creation of man was no different. That what he said was done. Okay, And remember, he said in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God gave man dominion over all the earth. The planet is subject to authority. Authority is delivered by words, or it's issued by words. So we talked about how the, this is a word planet. God created it with words, and that is how we exercise the authority given to us. Okay, So here we have man having dominion. God told man to subdue the earth, to have dominion over the earth and everything on it. And that is where we landed last week. Say, I have dominion. Amen. Over the earth and everything on it. All right. That is the way God said it. It's done. There's no going back on that. Okay. So God will not violate his word. He doesn't change his mind. He didn't say, well, you know, um, well, uh, you know, no, he did it. Even if we screw it up, he doesn't take it back. You understand? So we know what did Adam do? (laughs) He screwed it up. And God I mean, may have known he was going to do it in the sense that he gave man a choice and a will, leaning towards, don't do that, don't disobey me, and so on. And we'll get into that some of that tonight. But we need to understand that God gave man dominion, and he was not going to take it back, even if we goofed it up. When God, listen to me, when God calls us, okay, and God calls every, say it with me, I'm called of God. Every one of you have a call of God, have a purpose from God. He's, it, the Bible says it's irrevocable. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He will not call them back. And there are many men and women of God that have royally screwed up on the earth. I mean, got into sin, did all kinds of horrible things and ruined ministries. That does not change the fact that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They will not change, even if they've messed it up. And a lot of uh, great men and women of God have got back on their feet. You know, they repented and got before the Lord. And some more sincere than others, I think, personally. But the ones that I believe that were very sincere, that their heart was broken, that they broke the heart of God. And how many people did they hurt? You know, plus they gave God a bad name on the earth. But nonetheless, God received them back. Now, it seems like they're never at the same level that they were at one point. 
It's like they just can't go back. Samson could never go back to where he was when he finally went to where he was. But did God not use him one last time? Amen. And he, he took more then in his entire lifetime. Remember? Well, you know, God, even if we make mistakes, will still use us. Amen? We just got to give our heart over to him. Praise God. All right, all that was free. <laughs> all right, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we read where God made everything and everything in the earth, and he gave Adam dominion over everything that he had made on the earth. Another popular way of saying this is that Adam was called the God of this world, little g, okay? He was the God of this world, and that's, that's not a sacrilege thing to say. God gave him dominion over the works of his hands. Now, I believe that God was generous and kind and clear in his commands to Adam. Adam, I want you to understand this, Adam understood his dominion. He understood authority, okay? He grasped it. I mean, he understood how big it was, okay? How big of a responsibility it was. The Lord God, you might remember, directed, how many believers, a lot of animals, a lot of, a lot of things walking on four legs, you know what I'm saying, or two, or hopping, or whatever, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things, plus the birds, there's a lot of them, okay, lots of them, lots and lots and lots and lots, and God led them to Adam, why to Adam, because Adam is king, Adam is God of this world, Adam had dominion, and so he didn't name them on his own. He led them to Adam to be named. See, God was honoring, you need to understand this, God was honoring the authority that Adam had. You could say, well, God's God. He trumps him. He won't override his authority because he would be overriding his word. And he won't override his word. Do you guys get that? Very, very important. It can almost just slip right past our thinking. He will not violate his word. And so he gave his word. And Adam named all the animals and so on and, and, and walked in some of that dominion. He understood again all the dominion he had over the works of God's hands. And the Lord God told Adam that all creation was good and it was under his authority there was only one thing God asked of Adam. One thing. Everybody say one item. And that is that Adam would not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I want you to think about that. That's almost a tithing thing right there. That is the principle of tithing. God is saying, you can have all this, but just don't eat of that one. That's mine. That's holy to me. You leave that alone. You understand? It's very, very important for us to understand that God had a right to do that. That God, he, and think about the generosity of God. You have all this, the entire planet and everything on it. Just don't eat of that tree. Respect me, Adam. Don't eat of that tree. Now, he made it clear to Adam that if Adam, if you were to disobey me, and you go ahead and disobey me and eat of that tree, then you're going to die. Now, in our language, we think of die, we think of... And what, what he actually said was, in dying you will die. In other words, what God was telling Adam is, you would spiritually die, 
And that spiritual death would lead to death manifesting in every single area of your life. Every area. And that was a very bad thing. Adam understood that. You need to get this. It wasn't that Adam didn't get it and, oh, now I get it (laughs) after the fall. He understood what God said. That's what makes this thing a, a really big mess up. He fully understood what was going on. Adam was not stupid. He understood what God said. Now, I want you to see this, that Adam, of course, we know. Well, let's, let's not jump the gun. Let's talk about the devil for a little bit. Satan saw an opportunity to exploit mankind's authority over the earth. Apparently, Satan was watching and listening to some of the things going on. He knew about the authority and dominion that God gave to man. He was maybe witnessing it from the side. I don't know, but he he knew about it. He understood that. And being the sneaky, underhanded individual he is, he sought to exploit that. Now, it was still a gamble on his part. He didn't know that Adam would just turn it over like he did. But nonetheless, he tried. Remember, Satan's sole motivation is what? To steal to kill, and destroy. That's his motivation. Well, Adam, we know, did sin against God. Adam committed high treason and sold out to Satan. And Satan, listen to me, through Adam became the God of this world. Adam had a legal right. He didn't have a moral right to do it, but he had a legal right to betray God's command, and he did. And Satan took full advantage of that. In other words, we need to understand it's not just myth. It's not just Satan deceived things. The fact the Bible says that Adam was not deceived, clearly. Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam was right there when this whole thing went on with Satan and Eve. And at any point, he could have looked at the devil And said, by the authority given to me by God Almighty, I cast you out and blew him right out of the water. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he followed Eve. Then hid behind her skirt. Then we all know she didn't have one. (laughs) She made me do it. He made me do it. (laughs) But the reality is, he followed her into sin. He He knew. She was the one deceived. He, he, I mean, the, Satan is playing games with her, but he knew all along what he was doing, but he did it anyway. And so what we have now is Satan now has a legal right to rule over the earth and everything on it. That is not a myth. That is fact. Satan is an outlaw in this world, but he does have a legal right to rule because he stole Adam's authority. Now... God didn't let that go, we know, and, and we'll get into this in a minute, that God immediately sets a plan into action to save mankind from the tyranny of Satan. But nonetheless, I want to look at Satan's legal authority. And so, if you want, look in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Now, at the beginning of this story we're going to look at, Jesus was beginning his ministry on the earth. He's probably about 30 years old, roughly, 29, 30, somewhere in there. He's beginning to enter the first phase of his ministry. And he was baptized by his cousin, John. 
And at that moment, you might remember, that's where the, the presence of God member appeared and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, that was definitely a confirmation. It certainly was good for Jesus and it was good for those who heard it, like John and such. But what we have here is that was the beginning of his ministry. That's why it was such a big deal. In other words, the Lord was helping Jesus. Whether we realize it or not, he's helping him. He's confirming things with him. And Jesus immediately gets led into the desert. And that's going to be the beginning of things. He's about to go face some very big temptations. And what you need to understand is this. The Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam. So you have Adam originally. We would call him the first Adam. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to start his ministry where the first Adam blew it. That's where he's going to start his ministry. He has to get past that part first. And so Jesus goes into the desert and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's hungry. How many of you agree you'd be hungry? We'd be hungry after starting 30 minutes into it probably. But Here we go, 40 days. Luke chapter 4, let's go right into verse 3. First temptation. The devil said to him, talking to Jesus, if, notice that, if you are the Son of God, what did God just confirm with Jesus? Remember, this is my beloved Son. You know, I mean, think about this. This is a real temptation to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. It had to have run across Jesus' mind. He's hungry. And here he is being tempted. If prove you're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, prove it. And so he answered, saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now notice verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, how he did this, I don't know, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now I want to stop right there. I want you to notice something in verse 6. When the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. Now I know that we're taught that the devil is a liar. Is he a liar? Right? But he's not lying here. He is not lying here because if he was lying and Jesus would know it, then it wouldn't have been a temptation. Are you seeing that? It had to have been a real offer in order for Jesus to be tempted. And don't you think in his mind, while the devil's talking, I could avoid a lot of, a lot of stuff here. He knows what's going to happen down the road. And so it is a real temptation to Jesus to circumvent everything that he knew was supposed to happen and let's skip it and just go right to this. Of course, it would have ended in disaster and we know Jesus wouldn't do that. Amen. Aren't you grateful he's faithful? Amen. But, but the fact is, he was really tempted. 
the Satan, what I'm trying to, to get you to see is Satan had real authority to offer him. He is the ruler of this world. He is the God of this world. And he was offering it the same authority that was given to Adam or mankind is now his. So he has authority and he's offering it. Jesus was really tempted because Satan really had the authority to give. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, if you want to write it down, says that Satan is the God of this world. In John 12, 31, Jesus referred to Satan as the ruler of this world. And you can go into 1 John and you can read several scriptures, but one of them talks about that the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. In other words, he is influencing, he is behind things. He, he is that, that evil he, he, he thing behind things. He is really motivating things. Why do you think that the world has such a seething hatred about Jesus? There's this, you can talk about God and you can get religious. And you can, if you get religious, it's okay. But the minute you start getting serious about the name of Jesus or bringing up Jesus, it seems like all hell breaks loose. It seems like everybody comes out of the woodwork. No, 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 you can talk about God in this general sense, but don't you start talking about Jesus. Why? Because Satan, listen to me, Jesus is a real threat to him. He's a real threat, and he doesn't want you learning. He doesn't want you growing. That's why the devil works so hard to keep people out of church. Give them every reason in the world not to hear good messages like you're hearing. And give them every excuse in the book. Where, In other words, where I would say, where's the rest of the church? There's two-thirds of them not here. Well, it's just not that important. Unfortunately, those are the very ones that give me the phone call. Pastor, will you pray for me? I got this happening and that happening and this happening and that happening. But, you know, the funny thing is I don't get those phone calls from you. Why? Because you're taking it because you've heard it and you're acting on it. And you're seeing results in your life. Whether you realize it or not, I just gave you a great big compliment. In other words, this is the, the prosperous bunch. I mean, there are several people missing tonight. But you know what I'm saying? This is the bunch that, that takes it to another level. I remember one time, one of the members, I was teaching on prayer and, and enforcing the enemy's defeat in the name of Jesus. And this person um, heard it, probably heard it several times over the years being preached, more or less. And, and finally, she said, one day, I was trying to get a hold of you, <laughs> and you didn't answer. You weren't available, and, and I don't remember why, but I, I didn't answer or wasn't available or whatnot. And she finally, it occurred to her, you know what? He's taught me several times. I don't need him. I just need to use the name of Jesus. So she started talking to that circumstance, that situation, and it got taken care of. You know, she never could get a hold of me, but she gave me the good report. My point is, is that it worked for me just as well as it worked for you and vice versa. But we got to act on the word. We got to do something with it. We can't just sit there and, oh, you know, that was good. And then when serious things happen, expect different results. Jesus said it himself, didn't he? That those who hear his word and do it build their house on the rock. What's the rock? The word. The word. The word. And see, if you build your life on the word by hearing and doing what he said, then you're going to go through the storms of life, but you're going to come out okay. 
And you're going to be the better for it. You're going to be stronger for it. But those who continually, and we see it time and again, who hear the word but just don't take it that seriously, you know, let's not get crazy about it. Let's not get fanatical about this stuff. And actually, come on, you seriously take this stuff and do it in your personal life? Come on. Well, they're the ones that everything falls apart. It's a wreck. And they don't even understand why. They're so misled. Amen. Say, that's not me, Pastor. <laughs> that's not us. All right. So we see that I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see is that Satan legally has the right to run roughshod, so to speak, over the earth because he legally obtained it. Now, it's not good. I mean, it's, it's wrong. He's an outlaw, he, 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 but nonetheless, it was legally given to him. He has this authority, and Jesus acknowledges that. Several scriptures refer to it, and I gave you a couple. The God of this world, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world, all talking about Satan. Now, thank God that there was a time frame when God gave man dominion over the earth. He didn't say for eternity. There's a time frame. In other words, there's so long, let's call it a lease, okay, if you will, that God gave man, okay, and it's roughly about 6,000 years, that God would give man dominion over the works of his hands. So Satan's numbers up in that regard no matter what. In other words, eventually the lease will run out. Eventually that time frame that God has in mind that he was giving to mankind runs out. So no matter what, even though we're going to read about his defeat, he still runs out on that. And so he's running on borrowed time is what I'm trying to say. So we have him being the ruler of the world, and we can see that Satan has been influencing the entire world. And of course, we know that Jesus came and he spoiled Satan's plans. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you and I have been made free from the tyranny of Satan. You see, when Jesus was going to the cross, Satan still had no comprehension of what was really happening. He really thought he was beating the devil. He really thought that he was the master one in control. He had no idea of what was really happening. Why didn't he have any idea? You remember when the New Testament talks about the mystery of the church? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You read that word mystery. Okay, it's in your Bibles, I promise. Okay, some of you look at me, maybe. It's, it's, it's all over. It gets into the epistles. And what that is, is the church age that we are, where Jesus is the head of the body, and we are the body of Christ, is hidden in the Word of God. It's hidden, and Satan never saw it all the way. Remember, what did Jesus say all the way back in Genesis 3 when he, when he was cursing the devil? What did he say? Let's go back and look real quick. Go with me, Genesis 3. I want you guys to see this. I'm getting a little off my message, but that's okay. Go Genesis chapter 3. And in verse 14 is where the Lord God is talking to the devil. And if you go down, let's just read the whole thing. So the Lord God said to the serpent, this is after things, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. By the way, why you see on the belly you shall go, I believe some theologians believe that this 
thing that Satan was, that he took the form of, may have had feet. May have not been what we consider your traditional snake. And so things are changing. God's cursing. And, and then, of course, uh, we know that the animal's cursed. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now look what he says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Who's her seed? That's, that, this is the virgin birth. And this is Jesus. And he is prophesying. Now look what he says. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, what is the body of Christ? <laughs> Over Satan's head. And right here, he's prophesying, but Satan is just not getting it. He's not. Now, he thought, that's why he immediately started going after every seed. Why did he want to kill all these male seeds? Think about it. Isn't there been a lot of death of trying to kill males? Instantly, he goes after the two sons. Inst- why? He thought, this one is the Messiah. This one's the Messiah. This one's the Messiah. This one's the Messiah. And then when the Messiah actually came, kill all the males, two years old and younger. I don't want to take any chances. Satan is going on just on a killing spree, trying to wipe them out. Why? Because he knows somewhere in here they're coming. But he still didn't get the church. The church was a mystery. God hid it. If you read your Bible, you see no hint to the church. You go through it. Now, we can look back now and God can reveal things to us that show us uh, types and shadows. But it's all hidden. You think God's smart? Right. In, and now, how do I know this? Because later in Scripture, Satan basically implied if i would have known that crucifying jesus would have done this i wouldn't have done it i would if he would have known see what he got is he went to the cross and then remember he gave everything up and satan is partying i mean that he's got it he's got it he's got it the problem is three days later came oh this is a problem (laughs) i mean this is not in the plan. Then Satan began to see the whole thing coming together. Man. You, you get it? Then he began to see, oh, <laughs> I really goofed. And he, he would look back, and the Bible says, the prince of this world, if he would have known, he would, never have, he would never have crucified Jesus. He would have let it go. But praise God, we have the victory through Christ. Amen. How many of you think God is smart? I'm telling you, he did all this. Now, let's look at some scriptures because we're saying through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we've been made free. I'm going to read some to you if you want to write it down. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 in the Amplified says, But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason, listen to this, the reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. I love that. I mean, to undo it all. Everything he had done, he would remove. Colossians 1.13 in the Amplified says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself, out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 
So what you need to understand is those who believe in Christ, that have received Christ, are no longer under His dominion. You need to understand this, though, that did not remove Satan from being God of this world. It just removed him from having authority over you and I. Do you understand that? He still is running amok. He's still an outlaw that's running all over the place. And he's affecting those who don't believe. But the reality is over the believer, he has no power, no authority. The Bible says we have been delivered. I'm in the kingdom of God. How about you? Jesus is Lord over the kingdom of God. Amen? The second Adam won't make the mistakes the first Adam made. That's why Jesus is our high priest. He will never fail. He will never, we won't ever have like the first situation was where Adam messed it up. Because a man (laughs) will not be the one that's in control of the whole thing. Jesus is in control of it. Amen. Jesus Christ is. Now, Jesus stripped Satan of his power and authority against us. Colossians 2.15 in the New Living says, In this way he disarmed. Everybody say disarmed. That's what I want you to see. Disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I really do believe that in hell, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he made a public spirit. Spectacle. See, back in those days, where this is coming from is the Roman authorities, when they would rule and reign, they would take the person who was like king in a certain area or somebody in a high position, and what they would do is whoop them and beat them and show them off in front of everybody. And it was they would have a parade and have a public spectacle. And they would be before them and they'd smack them around. They might have them naked and picking on him. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did to Satan in hell. I'm telling you, that would have been glorious to see. Wouldn't that be cool if we get to heaven and get some video? <laughs> you know what, though? When we get to heaven, you ain't going to give a flip about the devil. You understand what I'm saying? It's not even a concern anymore. Thing of the past. And see, when we come back to rule and reign on the earth, Satan's locked up. So he's not even an issue then. Amen? So he's not an issue with you now. He has no authority. He has no power. He has nothing over me. So you and I as a believer are no longer under the thumb of Satan. That's important that we understand that. He has no power or authority over you as a believer. You have been delivered. Say it with me. I have been delivered from the authority of the devil. Amen. Jesus is my Lord, not Satan. We're, listen, this is where we get we are in this world, but we are not of this world. I am in this world in a physical body, but my spirit belongs to Jesus. I am found in Christ. My kingdom is not the kingdom of this world. Amen? So that's how we can say we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Now, we need to understand this, that Satan is still a real threat. He is still out there running amok. He is still God of this world, and He is still influencing the world all around us. Stealing, killing, destroying. Remember, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. He is still manipulating things. The deal is, He has no direct authority over you. He has no direct authority in anything you're engaged with. 
That means in your home, you have authority. And that checkbook you own, that's yours. You understand? The grass that grows around your house is yours. You get me? Now, you can't go into the neighbor's yard and take authority. Now, you can say, well, pastor, if you let me in your life and you honor me as the man that God set me in that office in your life and allow me to speak in your life, then the authority I have can pass over into yours. But I trust me, you look at that tornado and I don't care if it's staring at you. And you say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart and say with your mouth, get out of here. You are not allowed on my property. That thing can stop right on the edge there and go, nanner, 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 but you can't touch me. A thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Amen? You need to understand, not one blade of grass, devil. Not one blade of grass. You can't touch it. But I can't help the neighbor who says, it's coming after me. Why do you think, you ever wonder why tornadoes seek out mobile homes? Because of all the talk. Everybody talks about how they go out to seek mobile homes. And then runs and hides. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Yep, it's coming. Man has authority. See, what the devil does is manipulates us into releasing our own authority and having it work against us. That's what he does in the believer's life. He doesn't have any authority in your life or power. But if he can convince you, if he can convince you to use your own words against you, then he can work in your life. So don't give the devil any room, Paul said. Don't give him even an inch. Don't give him anything. Don't give him anything. In other words, what do we have to do? We've got to keep the armor of God on. We have to be vigilant. And that's what this is talking about right here. That even though Satan has no authority over us, while we're here on the earth, we still must contend with him. Remember I told you about the guy who said, Oh man, Brother Hagen, pray for me that I want to deal with the devil. All right, but I'm going to have to pray that you die. <laughs> Why? Because as long as you're in this body, you're going to have to contend with him. But he's, what are you worried about? See, the problem is ignorance. A lot, most of the church doesn't know what we're talking about tonight. And so therefore, the devil just beats on him and beats on him and beats on him and then gets them to think they're the problem. It's deception. It's deception. That's all Satan has to work in your life is lies and deception. And the problem is when we're not full of God's word and we're not diligent and we're not resisting him, we fall for it. We fall for it. Like dumb animals, like dumb sheep going to the slaughter. And we don't have to be that way. Amen? I'm a smart sheep. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> look with me real quickly. First Peter chapter 5. We need to be aware that Satan is still working against us and the plans and purposes of God. You pray out loud in English, can the devil hear it? Yeah. And you think he's just going to stand idly by, letting you get your prayers in? No, he's going to get in the middle of it. He's going to try to mess them up. He's going to mess your head up, try to mess your mouth up. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Okay, that means stay awake, pay attention. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Didn't say he was. It says, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Everybody say, resist him. 
That's the key. You resist him. When he lies, resist him. When he tries to be deceitful, resist him. In other words, listen to me. Remind yourself, he's all bark and no bite. If he says, you're going to die of cancer, well, thank you for the confirmation that I'm okay. Don't listen to him. He's like, you're going to go broke. Shut up, devil. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All the gold and silver on this earth, all the cattle were made for me. Amen? Not Las Vegas, guys. Us, the church, the body of Christ. Amen? See, we've got to renew our mind. We've got to be thinking like that. We need to expand how we're thinking. So we need to understand that Satan is against uh, the believer, but all he has in his tool belt, so to speak, is lies and deceit. No real authority, no real power, just trying to get you to use your own authority against you. Don't let him get away with it. Remember, we have the victory in Christ. Let's look at one more scripture real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You ought to memorize this verse, meditate it, confess it all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, I have the victory in Jesus that was so sad. Say, I have the victory in Christ. Amen? Come on, guys. Do we need to start passing out donuts before we start? Because <laughs> I'm telling you what, if you deal with the devil with that flimsy attitude a second ago, no wonder he sticks around. I mean, sometimes you've got to flat out show him you mean business. You know, my dog... A lot of the times, my wife has trouble getting our little dog in. Carly, Carly, come inside, Carly. And then I come in. Now! Just runs in the house. Why? The dog can sense the authority in my voice. I'm not playing games. I mean now. Well, the devil's no different. If you say, get away, devil, you stop. I quote, in the name of Jesus, you stop. He's just going to sit there and say, well, let's just stick around see how much I can push them, how much I can aggravate them, and maybe they'll finally give in and then cry, I don't know why all these bad things happen to me. <laughs> He's got you right where he wants you. Because then you start whining and start getting depressed and start thinking about, oh, it's me. And that is the saddest thing in the world, being a king's kid. That's not reigning in life with Christ. You hear me? That's, that's not thinking, wait a minute now. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That includes the devil. Man, I'm far above. Not a little above, far above. My foot is on his head. I'm the body of Christ. Amen? In fact, in Romans chapter 16, here, look here real quickly, real fast. Romans 16, come on, I think it's Romans 16, yeah, verse 20, I like this. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. (laughs) I like that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, guys. Come alive. Can you imagine if we had a church of 150 and everybody shouting at one time? Maybe that's what it will take. No, this is not our graveyard service. This is our victory service. 
You guys aren't getting the graveyard comment, I guess. Sometimes it seems like our graveyard around here, you know? Listen to me. We need it loud. I like it loud. And I'm loud myself. My wife's always telling me, calm down. My kids, I'm passionate. (laughs) Praise God. Isn't God good? Aren't you glad you came?